G'day and welcome to episode 106 of the Bloke Pod. One goal, zero behind, six points. Number play! <laughs> and for the record, Booyah! Hawthorne meets City by a goal. Yes! One, zero, six. Yes! Ah. Oh. Let's end the podcast here. <laughs> it's not going to get any better than that, <laughs> yeah. folks. If you're listening at home, switch off now. Strap yourselves in. It could be a bumpy ride. We're going downhill. So, so we've uh, had this one in the gun for a little while now. Well, you've had it in the um, gun. and you're... Yeah. <laughs> I think I've kept holding that gun to your head going, you've got to do your work for it. Wow. Yeah. What are the odds? Well, me being the one doing work? Not you. As Grocery Marks once said, quote me as saying I was misquoted. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, reversing the trend of the previous 105 yeah, episodes. Oh, no, there was my um, top 10 TV shows one. I was going to say, I think you've prepared for maybe two that's, episodes. But that's a good little connection. Uh, yeah. And that one was episode 40, I believe. Wow. And that was my top 10 TV shows. Mm. And... I think, yeah, that shows how long we've had this in the bank for. Obviously, the next step from there, considering we've done top 10 TV characters as well. Yep. Is, um, I think I did top 10 South, South Park, Park episodes. episodes. Yeah, we've had the Seinfeld ones as well. Yep. There's a lot of top 10s in there. If you're not David Letterman, then we've got more top 10s than you. <laughs> but today's variation on said thing. I was going to say the Beatles had a lot more top 10s than us too. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just, yeah. How do I bring facts into this? <laughs> exactly. yes, anyway, um, we get to a bit of now, a different. So top I would 10. say, yeah, top ten TV episodes would be the way to go. Um, but I think the feedback we've received from these sorts of episodes in the past is that there's far too much content from the weakest member of the bloke pod <laughs> when I'm the one doing the top tens. So the fans have demanded, look, you got to keep Jacko down to you know at a maximum sort of. 55% of the episode, otherwise that's it. The fans will leave in their droves, in their thousands. So I've... I was just going to say, <laughs> where did you get that feedback from my mother? <laughs> yeah, she can't, she always stop calling me about it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. So I will throw this dog a bone, and it is going to be my top five TV episodes, interspliced. And I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm going to go with... What's, what's a good way to describe what I guess what I'm going with? Uh, the kind phrase the, I was using was top five trashy TV shows. Trashy TV shows, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's basically while you're I, absorbing I, the brilliance of yeah. mine, you can bask in the... <laughs> in the apparent. I, 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 I vacillate between brain-dead TV... For and, a brain-dead viewer. And, and train-wreck TV. <laughs> Trainwreck TV. Right. Yeah. That was a nice touch. I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I tend to go more for Trainwreck TV, the classic, you know, you don't want to stare, but you can't walk away. And, you know, the five shows that yeah. I've got. I so it's, it's not, yeah, yeah, we probably should be clear. It's not necessarily the worst shows It's watchable ever. trash TV. Yeah, it's, it's perhaps, maybe not guilty pleasures, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, there's something about it. It's watchable. Here's a loop some offensive route. And you're like, cannot look yeah. away. Watchable trash TV is kind of what yeah. I think I'll go with. Is, is that shows you can actually enjoy, that, but you know for a while I completed other garbage. So basically the top 10 uh, most viewed programs on the ratings every week. No. Today, tonight, we're looking at you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm stretching down way, way, way That's down. what she said. All yeah. right. So... Now, I think we'll let you start off. 
so that we can finish with my best TV episode ever as the finishing point, the climax. For the purposes of this, because I'm Mr. Intersplicer here, is is that I have... (laughs) We've got to get business cards. Just just for the record, I have no particular order with my five. I will just be listing the five. And it's basically the point of this is I'm filler TV (laughs) for your your shows. That's how we're... uh, He said it, not me. Consider me the ad break in this situation. (laughs) Top star. So let's now throw to our first commercial. (laughs) The first commercial now... It's a it's a TV show that I know that you've watched, and we've sat down a couple of times and watched this show together. Ooh. It is if you are the one. Ah oh, yes. Did we end up finding the theme tune for that? Remember, we I was did. saying, I got ah oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I believe I sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, you I, yeah, I was just thinking about, about yeah about getting yeah. so. Amped. Oh, you got to get it as a ringtone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this music gets me so amped. <laughs> ah. Yeah, but um. It's a, it's a guilty pleasure, primarily, I mean, the concept is... Well, we talk about the viewers leaving in their droves. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, this show is all about watching the, uh, the singles just <laughs> leaving in their droves. Yeah. Whether that be together or through yeah. complete and utter, utter rejection. Yeah. So, to explain it slightly to the people who haven't seen it, basically, yeah. these it's sort of like The Bachelor, <laughs> in yeah. that there's one single person looking for love... And a big stage with 20, 24, 24 yep. members. Yep. Is it, is it always women? Yep. Okay. 24 chicks up there. Each one of them is standing in front of a like a little monitor in front of them, which has a light on it. Yeah. Now, but what happens next? They introduce the guy. There's a bit of casual, friendly banter, much like Jamison and I usually engage in. Yeah. And then they cut to <laughs> the video highlights package. Yeah. Now, this is where the show gets really good. <laughs> we, in fact, we'll, we'll have to find the soundbite for it, I think. We'll, we might have to stop and find it and then re- start re-recording. But um, as the video package is playing, if the lovely ladies decide, Oh, God, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, no, I'm done, I'm walking away. Then they hit their button and their light goes out. <laughs> well, yeah. You, DJ will... Well, we'll pause here for GJ, who will download the sound effect and splice it in later, Mr. Intersplicer, to play the sound effect. Go! Ooh. Oh, that was good, GJ. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So, just picture that, but perhaps if someone says, like, if, you know, if the guy on the video says, well, you know, I raped my best friend's dog, <laughs> then you just see this... <laughs> and all the lights go out at once. <laughs> so that's basically that's the but joy. The, the is, best moments are just watching. Look at this, Liz. You can pinpoint the exact moment <laughs> where he drops the ball. <laughs> and I enjoy for there's about two or three other elements that I enjoy. The host is a cracker. I really like the host. The male guest assistant host is. <laughs> To use his official title. Okay, yeah. He's he's great. He has some of the best one-liners. Well, there we go. A bit like Trevor Marmalade. Uh, a bit like Trevor Marmalade, yeah. We'll cross the Trevor Marmalade at the bar. Yeah. But the it's the juxtaposition of the Chinese culture, the foreign language, and I guess, you know, social norms and that mm. versus what we see here. The ridiculousness of the premise, but that's what makes it work. Yeah. And it is quite enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you might be in it for all that. I'm just in it for the noise. <laughs> Splice that in again. Well, you love <laughs> That's the, good shit. You love the noise. And you love yeah. the uh, the song as the uh, the man. Oh yeah, the song. Yeah, we got to splice that shit in too. Yeah, yeah. but you're gonna have plenty of work to do on editing this bad boy. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna be doing that. Yeah, you want to find it? You can find it. This is bullshit. All right, so so if you are the one, is uh, first cab off the rank for my guilty pleasure shows. There we go. Now, my fifth favourite episode of all time. Well, we did the sound effect for that one, so I might just uh, do the sound effect for this one. Yes, that is Kevin Spacey becoming President of the United States of America at the end of Chapter 26, as it is known. House of Cards don't go down the uh, lowbrow path of naming their episodes. They're far too good for that. So, chapter 26 from House of Cards. And oh, it's just everything great and compelling about House of Cards just rolled up at its, yeah, at its peak in that single episode. There's so much going on. For the first time in the entire history of the, uh, the show's run, we actually see Claire act like a human being break down and cry. Just for a few seconds, that's all we get. The political machinations um, with uh, the current president hiding away out in Camp David. The whole season's been building up to this. I would love to see the how the writers of this episode actually put the whole season together. Because there were little twists and little moments such as Frank telling um, the president, oh, you can use this uh, this uh, couple's therapist, this is the way to go. Sort of like episode three, I think, of that season, which comes back in such a massive way um, towards the end of the season. I'm not going to go into detail and describe it because it'll just take too long, but all I will say is that there are these... It's almost like a non-comedic version of Seinfeld. All these thousands of different strands and storylines all just coming together and culminating in this episode. And... It's that final scene in particular where he receives some news, he looks at Claire, they hug, and the next thing we know they're walking through the corridors of the White House. It's clear that the former president has, um, well, whatever the word is, <laughs> he's stood down, Frankie Boy's taking over, and they get to the door and Frank says to Claire, let's, you know, let's walk in. I said, no, no, you, you go in there on your own, you've deserved this. So Frank walks in, shuts the door, walks up to the desk, pushes the chair away from the desk, faces the camera, and... It's one of the best moments of television of all time. Of all time! <laughs> GJ, <laughs> over to you. Good segue <laughs> to my uh, to my next choice. Unfortunately, my next choice it's an older show, and it involves the current president of the United no! States of America. No. <laughs> now, anybody who'd ever watched The Apprentice with Donald Trump on as uh, the main person knew that the guy was batshit crazy. <laughs> knew that the guy struggled to make logical and coherent decisions yeah. at the best Unless of Unless it happened to be an episode with Gary Busey. He was always the <laughs> yeah. shit the craziest one of yeah. the show. <laughs> um, the celebrity ones in particular are the ones worth watching. All these C-grade celebrities tried to prove their relevance. 
Um, you get some of the best blow-ups between between people, like people who just absolutely detest each other and and do not bother to try and hide it yeah. whatsoever. So basically, like our podcast, <laughs> you could say that, yes. But as I say, it's the the thing that always made it. I guess for me, mate, it was Donald Trump, and it was for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Just, as I said before, the, the logic and the decision-making and some of the things that he would say, you'd be like, seriously, man, like, what the fuck? Where's that come from? And hey, America! <laughs> you top stuff! Yeah. You were privy to this for season upon season upon season, and you decided, yeah, but I know this guy. I recognise him. Yeah. <laughs> He'll change. No, I don't no, think that no. they think he'll change. No. They just, eh, oh, that guy. Donald, and Donald, <laughs> He's that guy. <laughs> Donald, Donald, my advice for you is make America TV great again. Back to moi. All right. My fourth best show. Now, this one, and this might surprise you a little bit, knowing what a... A fan I am of the comedic genre, but this is the only comedy I've actually got in there. Um, and I think there is good reason for that, because I think the greatest dramas, the greatest thrillers, are always going to be just that little bit more compelling than the greatest comedies. I, I mean, I'd say you have to grade this stuff on a curve. It's actually harder to do those episodes with the strong cut-throughs in drama and the like. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, you know, I've got... There are a few that came close. You know, the opposite um, would have come close to making oh, it. Vulner yeah. Vulnerable to attack from the Hollow Men would have been right up there. In fact, yeah, I do have a few shortlisted here. And uh, the Roger from season one of 30 Rock, that would be right up there as well. But, no, if I could only get one comedy episode in, then oh, it had to be this one. Remedial Chaos Theory from really? season three. Episode Community. Uh, Episode 4 of Community. Yep. The one with the dice. <laughs> yeah. For those playing alone at home. Um, and I think, well, it's funny I say this is my only comedy. It's because this was a TV episode that was so much more than just a 22-minute sitcom. This is what Dan Harmon's been doing throughout his career. He did it with Community. Now he's doing it with Rick and Morty. He creates these shows that, well, ostensibly you'd call them comedies, but... They're just so damn clever. <laughs> like, that whole notion of the dice landing six different ways, or Abed catching it, having a whole separate story arc for each one of those, and then also setting up evil try and evil Abed, which they can, you know, use in order to, uh, you know, the cliffhanger at the end of the season and everything else. Oh, it's just, it's, it's comedy writing at its best. And it, the first time I saw it, I loved it. It was just something about it. Um, just, yeah, just pushed my buttons in all the right ways. There's not necessarily that many particularly funny moments. Like, if I think of the best, the funniest moments of community, there probably aren't necessarily any of them in this program, in this episode. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's so smart. It's so clever. It's so well layered. Um, can, can I say, yeah. just from my perspective, community is an interesting choice for that very reason. Because... You know, my experience from watching that show is there's a lot of the moments really blended together. Yeah. And to, it would, you know, if you were saying to me, when when did this particular thing happen? 
I at at times I made potential even struggle to tell you what season it was in, mm. yet alone what episode it was in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the characters. The thing about that. But I think that's because because you could say it was at the paintball episode. <laughs> yeah. The second paintball episode. They yeah. had yeah these these standalone episodes which would yeah just they reminded me a little bit of Buffy the way Buffy used to have hush where no one could speak. Um, the the singing episode, um, once more with feeling. You know, they had these sorts of marquee episodes scattered throughout their run. Community is mm. kind of similar like that. I mean, the interesting thing about Community was it's hard to work out who the hero was, for lack of a better well, phrase, too. <laughs> you know who it was for me. Cool, 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 cool. Mm. And I think this episode actually ties into that very nicely. Of course. That's when community's at its best. It's when it's leveraging Arbid's unique take on the world. Mm. Um, and that's what sets the whole thing up. Um, but yeah, just far and away my favourite episode of what I think from memory might have been my 10th favourite uh, <laughs> program. Just thinking mm. back to um, episode 40. But yeah, top stuff. And mm. so rewatchable too because of all those layers. Mm. So, back to me. I want to refer back to my uh, to my previous employment actually for this. The girls used to go on non-stop about a TV show called The Bachelor. The boys, the boys <laughs> would sit at lunch and talk about this TV show, X on the Beach. X on the Beach is that an X on oil spill? Is it? No. Let me just say this is. Firstly, great pun on the title. Wordplay! <laughs> you watch this through the lens of being a social experiment, and it is absolutely fascinating. But for anyone who hasn't seen the show... Which includes looking, me. Yeah. You're looking at me blankly. I know nothing about it. Every single person who I say, my God, that show sounds like trash, based on the title, tell me what it's about. And you explain it to them. They go, oh, that actually sounds quite interesting. The whole premise of the show essentially starts with eight single people in their early 20s, four males, four females, being chucked into a villa. Insert copious amounts of alcohol and let the fun ensue. Yeah. With a twist. <laughs> with a particular twist. They have a tablet, which they call the Tablet of Terror. Oh, Jesus. And the point of the Tablet of Terror <laughs> is to basically rain shit on their parade. It's either sending people home, sending people on dates who may like each other, who may not like each other, but more importantly, bringing in their exes. And their exes invariably have agendas. So what do you mean a tablet? <laughs> a tablet so, as in a computer tablet. Oh, okay, and that tells them what to yeah, do. Yeah, it's telling them what ah, to do. Ah, okay. And it is fascinating. It is... It is the epitome of train wreck TV. You couldn't I, do it. It's supposed to be, yeah, pretty, um, as a, well, as the one in control of the tablet. Yeah. You'd have to make sure whoever was doing that had his shit down, basically. Mm. But yeah. if he did, yeah. But the, the beauty of it is, is that you watch the, to use a Steve War phrase, the mental, mental disintegration of certain people. <laughs> people who go in there, hockey is all fuck. Just completely getting and then, stripped whoa, away. Look at the Vader, that guy's firing. Yeah, just getting stripped away, layer by layer by layer. Tough it is stuff. awesome TV. I strongly recommend watching it. You 
don't recommend going on the show. I certainly <laughs> don't recommend going on the show. But it is, yeah. So, as I say, it's um, just just great TV. Good stuff. Alrighty. And, and, and just for the record, every single person who I've told about it who's ended up watching it has all said the same thing. They all agree. Yeah. You can't argue with that. So there's plenty of tequila and X on the beach. <laughs> no. All right, fine. Fair enough. Um, so, number three. From the program that came in at number number two. Chew. Chew. His name, number two. House. Bombshells. Season seven, episode 15. So... This episode's a little bit more to do with the build-up. So, house is clean. He's off Vicodin. He's dating Cuddy. All is right with the world. And then Cuddy wakes up that morning and she finds blood in her urine. Then we kick off. That's the episode. Um, There are... It's funny, yeah, again, a bit like Buffy, a bit like House of Cards. There are dream sequences and, you know... They throw away. So there's um, House and Wilson playing the sitcom The Two Stay-at-Home Dads and the daughter coming home from school with the canned audience laughter. There is... I'm just trying to think of the second one, which I can't remember. It's poor form. But there's a um, one of House and Cuddy waiting to um, go out and basically meet their doom under a barrage of bullets. There is House seeing Forget Your Troubles, Come On, Get Happy. There's all these... Oh, there's House... That was the other one. There's House in a zombie movie. Um, see, having to kill off in increasingly <laughs> graphic uh, ways all the members of his team uh, before getting to Cuddy and seeing her being eaten alive. So there's all these dreams. There's all these flashbacks. And while all this is going on, Cuddy is getting her diagnosis from Wilson. There's a lump in her kidney. It's looking really bad. And House isn't showing up. House is not there. So obviously there's the B story house of the... House is not in the house. No, exactly. Not in the house. Boss is in the house! So there's a, you know, a decent enough uh, B story of a kid who uh, they think he might be a potential terrorist because he gets some injury due to a pipe bomb blowing up near him. But it's, not, it's really not about that. That's just filler. That's like the GJ uh, of that episode. And every um, other episode. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, but it finally culminates in her, yes, as we say, about to go into surgery. And then House finally arrives. He's there. He sits by her bedside. You know, he holds her hand. He tells her it's going to be okay. They're all good. And then, as she's in surgery... Or it's not looking good. The prognosis is bad for her. That's when we throw to house singing, forget your troubles, come on, get happy. And that scene ends with a bright white light and Cuddy sitting up on the operating table in her dream. And then she wakes up and it's all good. Oh, there was a... Oh, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but basically there was a lump caused by something else. She had an allergy to something else. But basically it was all fine. So it was all good. But then Cuddy's realised something during the dream. In all of those dreams, in all of those flashbacks, Candy was featuring. When House and Cuddy were about to get shot, they had a chocolate bar. Um, when House was singing to Cuddy, he was pulling her along with a lollipop. Um, when the daughter came home with House and Wilson playing the two stay-at-home dads, there was a cake. And Cuddy's sister says to her, Oh, 
I put those away talking about um, a bottle of Cuddy's medicine, which she's been given to recover. I put those away because I thought your daughter might get to them. She always calls them candy. And so Cuddy realises, oh, candy, medicine. And so she goes and confronts House, knocks on his door, and she said, you took Vicodin. You took Vicodin before you came and visited me. So the whole season House has been clean. After six seasons of using, he's been clean for that whole year. But Cuddy realises that when she needed him, when she needed him to be there to feel, he couldn't do it. He chose the Vicodin. And she breaks up with him. And I think the highlight of the episode for me is when, yeah, House... It's the, probably the line of the season. She says, no, don't, please, please don't. She breaks up with him. We see her go home crying with her sister. And we see House lift the mirror off his bathroom wall, remove a bottle of Vicodin, pop a couple in his hand and swallow. That's the end of the episode. I'm not really doing it justice at all because it's all about the different... Uh, those different flashback scenes, you know, one in black and white, the singing, the dancing, you know, the whole episode is so beautifully put together, but in particular, the end of the episode where, yeah, she breaks up with him and, and he starts using Vicodin again. Top stuff, really, really top stuff. There you go. GJ. <laughs> I'm on a bit of a downer now after that, thanks for that. Do you want to take some Vicodin? No, <laughs> no. I'll remind myself of... Uh, Another perfect uh, opportunity to, to discuss some trash TV. T- another TV show, very, very simple premise. Another show that you would never, ever, ever probably want to go on. <laughs> but we'll discuss it anyway. Hosted by two former X on the Beach contestants. Oh, there we go. So you know it's going to be good. Charlotte Crosby and the hilarious Stephen Bear. Great A prick, but he plays the prick to perfection. Hmm. Show's called Just Tattoo of Us. Oh, and I'm not giving that the wordplay celebration. No, it does it's not, not good wordplay. <laughs> but the premise, the premise of the show is two people who have some kind of relationship, friends, partners, ex-partners. So like Amazing Race teams. <laughs> uh, yeah, for instance, you know, husband and wife yeah. seeking redemption. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the gay couple, the best friends. The two boofy, bantery bloke, yeah. blokes. Yes. And the hot chicks. Ah, the hot chicks. <laughs> yep. Forever in my we're, heart. We're hot chicks. In. <laughs> yeah. But the premise of the show is basically each of them designs a tattoo to put on the other person's body without them knowing about it and the reveal at the end. And it's all about... Hey, oh, your says dude. Oh, sweet. Oh, you got a tattoo. What does it say? Dude. Yeah. It's a bit like that. It's a, but it's obviously, you think about the tricks that people can play on each other with things like this. It, I don't it, think it, there's anyone in the world I would trust. Well, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't trust anyone, including myself, to pick yeah. a tattoo to put on myself. Oh, but what a tattoo in yeah, the first place. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. It is funny that so many relationships were, were getting busted up because of the tattoos that were being chosen. That show's got blood on its hands. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> figuratively. Yeah. See, that's good <laughs> wordplay to whoever wrote the title. Very, very, very interesting show to watch. Good so, stuff. 
I like how too the, the way this is the like the juxtaposition. Mine is more about just the specific episode, specific moments, and that. Yours is just like there's the blank canvas. <laughs> just there's going to be a whole lot of shit painted across it. It's start and, to you know, and this is the whole point about me referring to it as brain dead TV because for a lot of inst- for a lot of these shows, the premise is basically the same. Mm. <laughs> So you don't have to think. You just sit there and watch it and just get and let it happen to you. Soak it in, <laughs> drink it in, man. So, alrighty, Dwighty, number two. Now I remember when we did episode forty. You were very, very, very surprised that House came in at number two and not number one. Yep, I was. Well, if you had asked me prior to would be almost exactly 12 months ago. It would be 12 months and about four weeks. What my favourite TV show of all time... Of all time! ...was. TV episode, sorry. It always would have been this one. So it's been usurped, but there's no shame in finishing second. The Gift, Buffy, episode 22 of season 5. The 100th episode of the series, and I maintain... Mm-hmm. Oh, it would have been the so sy- good if it had been his last. The syndication episode. Oh, well, yeah. I I mean, season six and seven were good and they had their moments, but I maintain to this day that Buffy should have finished at the end of season five. And, look, it's Buffy versus Glory, who's a god. Glory has Dawn, Buffy's sister, who was made by a group of monks out of Buffy. Essentially, she's just pure energy, but they wanted the Slayer to protect her. So they made her into her sister, planted fake memories into the minds of everyone who knew them. Essentially, Dawn was just this key. She is the key. Um, So Glory's spent the entire season looking for this key so that she can open the portal back to her own dimension. And essentially, when she does that, the gates, you know, the gates between the dimensions will open and anything and everything could come back through. Um, and the, the episode starts with us no, uh, around the table, the Scooby gang, um, and if they, uh, you know, they know what's going to happen. If Glory starts the ritual, if she starts Dawn bleeding, then the portal will open. The portal won't close again until she stops bleeding. So essentially, the premise is that if she starts it, Dawn has to die. And the first thing is just a standard vampire kill. So there's a vampire chasing a guy down through the back alley. Um, Buffy comes out, they fight, (laughs) she wins. Uh, the, The guy says, but you're just a girl. How did you do that? You're just a girl. Buffy says, that's what I've been trying to tell everyone. So that's basically what the whole show's been about. She's just a girl, but she's having to save the world again. But then when they go back inside, essentially Giles, who's by far the most important and central character on the show, by far my favourite, is saying, look, we have to discuss what's going to happen. And if Glory starts the ritual... And Buffy says, we're not going to talk about it. And Giles says, yes, we bloody well are! And Buffy basically says, all right, tell me, Giles, we're bloody well talking about it. Tell me to kill my sister. So they know that's what's going to happen. Look, it goes on from there. The two of them make up. 
Giles tells Buffy, you know, if it starts, I'm going to try and kill her. And Buffy says, and you know I'm going to stop you. They have this great little moment in the back room where they say, how many apocalypses has this been? Giles says, I think it's six. And Buffy says, feels like a hundred for the hundredth episode. There's so much other great stuff. Xander proposes to Anya. Um, Buffy lets Spike back into her house, having um, earlier um, removed the um, invitation. Um, and Spike says, yeah, I know you'll never love me, but you treat me like a man. There's a thousand and one just, just perfect moments in this episode. Until we get to the final scene, there's a big battle. They use the Buffy bot, which is a robot built like Buffy, to distract Glory. They're fighting away, they're fighting away. Um, but someone's up there with Dawn at the top of the tower. She's at the top of the tower if she starts bleeding, the portal will open. So Spike makes his way up there. Uh, and there's... I'm trying to remember what the guy's name is, actually, the character. But he's there with the knife. Um, and everyone thinks, oh, Spike's going to save the day. This is going to be amazing. The guy picks Spike up and throws him off the top of the tower. Um, finally, Buffy smashes Glory's face into submission with uh, a hammer. Um, but Glory's sharing a body with Ben, who's a human. So Glory's a god, Ben's a human. Glory, Buffy says basically she missed her shot. You know, if she messes with me or mine again, she's dead. To Ben, Ben says fine, and she runs off to save Dawn. And as she runs off, Giles walks up, says, can you move? Ben says, no, I'm going to need a minute here. She could have killed me, you know. Giles says, no, she couldn't have. Glory will soon return and make Buffy pay for that, but even then, she couldn't take your life. She's a hero, you see. She's not like us. And then Giles holds his hand over Ben's face and kills, Giles, uh, kills Ben, murders him in cold blood. Because Giles knows, otherwise Glory's going to come back. But Giles, he, that's almost the story of the episode, is Giles is always going to do what has to be done. So up at the top of the tower, Dawn's been cut open. She's bleeding. D Buffy gets to her. Um, the guy who was cutting her, Buffy makes mincemeat of him, throws him off the top of the tower in half a second, makes her way over to Dawn, but the blood's already started dropping down. <laughs> so the portal opens up. Shit goes crazy, there's dragons flying through, there's all this stuff. And at the top of the tower, there's this moment between Buffy and Dawn. And they talk for a while. Buffy, they see the sun coming up. It's such a, it's such a great moment again. And they talk for a while, all with flashbacks playing. And we hear Buffy say, she's me. The monks made her out of me. And they go to a, another episode later on where Buffy says, you know, it's summer's blood, it's like mine. And so Buffy realises that her blood can shut the portal too. So then we have one of the most amazing images, visual images in television history, with Buffy running, jumping off the edge of the tower, jumping into the portal. The portal finally closes as Buffy dies. And we see her friends come and see her, Giles, um, Willow, Anya being carried by Xander, Spike who breaks down and starts bawling his eyes out. And the episode closes, zooming in on a tombstone which just says, Buffy Ann Summers, she saved the world a lot. It's such a good episode. And as I say, like, it, I would have thought the moment I watched it the first time, this would be my best, the favourite episode 
mm. I've ever seen. Just so many great moments scattered throughout it. But that, yeah, those last few minutes where we realise what's happening um, and where Buffy jumps off the top of the tower to save Dawn and they zoom in on the, the headstone. As I say, just an amazing moment. And can you imagine if that had been the end of the show? <laughs> mm. Yes. Yeah, right. Really good stuff. <laughs> okay. So, the final pick. I was going to say your top, but then I remembered. No. <laughs> your, these aren't in any order. These aren't in any order. My final one's probably a little bit controversial, though. I'd expect nothing less. Because you could argue that this show is a blatant rip-off of Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, if you really wanted to. Which is great TV in itself. Yeah. Have we talked about Amy's baking, baking company yet? I have seen the face of crazy, and she speaks cat. <laughs> yes. We will get around to do that. I think we have to get Timbo in for that one, though, because... Uh, but that was not trashy enough to make this list. No. That's just gold. Yeah. That, could, that would have been close to making make my top ten TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very, very funny episode. But it's a, so, it's a, it's a, you could argue that it's a rip-off of Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. It's a TV show called Bar Rescue. I like now, the fact that there's no pun in the title for once. Yeah. And it's literally about rescuing a bar. But... The premise is essentially the same. Shitty as as kitchen nightmares. Shitty in this in this instance bar slash yeah. restaurant. Well, pub. The place as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> shitty service. Shitty shitty decor. All these things. Losing money. Bring in. Who can save us? The screaming blubbering idiot by the name of in this case John Taffer. Taffs. Who, <laughs> who's managed. Hundreds of bars to success, and he's he's basically Gordon Ramsay in another light. Is it? He'll come in, he'll pick on something, he'll just start yelling at you, he'll get in your face, he'll tell you all the things that you need to do. Fucking donkey! Um, and then obviously they do a revamp of the bar. Usually he renames it, relaunches it, and everything's supposedly good with the world. So they'd lead you to believe. Twist! Not always a twist, but things don't always go to plan. And they, like our podcast. <laughs> things never yeah, go to plan exactly. when it comes to this. Yeah, one of six tries in. There are, you know, down the track, things improve for a little while, but in some instances, they just don't. And in some instances, they just out and out <laughs> rebel against what he's putting in place. So, so it's, not all, it's not all happy moments and happy times. Okay. But neither is Hell's Kitchen. Neither. Oh, well, no, sorry, the, the Kitchen, kitchen Nightmares one. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, look, the, the reality is is that these places are in the shit for a pretty good reason. Yeah. It's just that the people who are managing them don't yeah. know what the hell they're doing. It's a bit like all the and contestants on The Bachelor. Coming, you can see why yeah. they're single. <laughs> coming in and waving a wand over the top of their problems for a little while doesn't, fix, doesn't fix the inherent issue. So it's a bit like the old... Uh, Song from the Sherry Bobbins episode of The Simpsons. Then, <laughs> if no. we cut every every corner, looks like it works for a bit. <laughs> yeah. But no. Yeah. Well, so, there we go. So that would that would be my my final one. The rants, his rants are, are gold. It's just a shame that they actually end up. Oh no! What? 
I couldn't watch it if they were like that. Yeah. That just infuriates me, Dad. But he uh, he goes on rants that would make you proud. And that's saying something. <laughs> We've so, got 105 episodes to prove that. Yes. So, my final... Uh, my final... Contribution. Trainwreck train, train TV show, Bar Rescue. There it is. So, number one. Heaven Sent, Doctor Who. Episode 11 of Season 8. Also a great song by Nexus. Hmm, good point. Um, I really struggle to even know how to describe this episode. It is, it's, it's really difficult, but it's all about the, the twist at the end of this one. It's just amazing. You hear about the whole, oh, you know, he's, Bruce Willis has been dead at the end of the sixth sense. This is that same sort of thing. So we're leading up to it. The yeah, doctor... I mean, so can, I, can I interject? Yeah, yeah, yeah go for it. That wasn't as big deal for me. I worked out halfway through the movie he was dead. No, anyway. you didn't. I saw that film with you. You were shocked at the end. Oh. <laughs> I'm calling you out there. Sandra Edwards, yeah. she'll back me up on that. Oh, there we go. Because I said to her... Sandy E. I said to her, I said, he's dead. He's she's dead. Like, no, I called not. it. She's like, no, it's not. And then when they realised, I was just like... Yes, right called right it. Right Pay here. the man. Right here. Stay anyway. Yeah. Alright, I already know that my recap is not going to do this justice at all. So, faithful listeners, yeah, track this episode down. It's so worth a watch. So, to put things in perspective, right at the end of the previous episode, Clara, his companion, has been killed. Now, of course, for every Doctor Who, there's always a companion. And the death of a companion, that is always a pretty BFD. Like, you know, you know some pretty major shit's going down when that happens. Um... Big fat so, dog. Yeah, thank you. It's a big fat dog. Okay. <laughs> it's happening. Woof, woof. So the episode starts with the Doctor materialising in this uh, em- energy chamber, basically. He's just arrived. Um, I should say right at the start, the whole episode, the entire episode, bar probably a minute, minute and a half maybe, is just Peter Capaldi uh, on the screen. And, you know, similarly to my best shows of all time, if you'd asked me who my favourite Doctor would be, I would have always said David Tennant. I would have said David Tennant right up until the episode before this one. So I'd seen, you know, I'd had exposure to Capaldi as the Doctor, but no, it never really got me. But this episode, his performance is just amazing in it. So he's alone uh, and he's in a castle and he's being chased down by the veil it's called this monster which shuffles along very slowly very slowly um, and if it touches him he dies and there's a series of doors and uh, rooms and he's basically got to un, you know solve this riddle it's this big mental riddle for him um, so we see him jump out a window we see him go through all these trials and tribulations all the time as i say just him on the screen um the way they do it is they have him every time it looks like he's about to die he's about to get caught they cut to him in his tardis talking to clara bragging to clara telling clara how he's going to win how he's going to survive so the whole episode is him just basically talking to clara explaining things um 
As he starts going around, he realizes that every time he tells the veil, as it's called, a secret, the veil stops moving, time pauses, the castle changes, doors switch around and everything, and he's allowed to slip away into another room. Um, so he realizes that it's obviously some sort of interrogation. They're obviously trying to get some sort of secret out of him, something he knows. So every time he tells it a secret, time pauses and he can escape again. So, but this thing is just chasing him, always chasing him, always there. Never running, never moving fast, just shuffling along, knowing as soon as he touches him, he'll kill him. And at one point where he escapes after time pauses up onto the roof, no, sorry, he, get, he gets up onto the roof. Um, and he knows he's been given messages, he's found these messages saying, I am in 12. So he knows whatever he's looking for is in room number 12. Um, so he's trying to figure it out. And at one stage he goes up to the roof, he says, the one thing I want to know is who's been messing around with the stars? Because if I didn't know any better, I'd say we've travelled 2,000 years into the future. And finally, you know, the thing continues to chase me, continues to have to tell it secrets until finally he finds room number 12. He finds it, he gets it, and he opens the door. And in that room is his TARDIS. But between the TARDIS and him, is a wall of Byzantium, I believe it's called. It's a, it's a substance that's a thousand times harder than diamond. And as he walks into the room, he's, he suddenly stops. And then we cut to him in the TARDIS. And he just goes, that's when I remember. Every time, that's when I remember. Goes on a bit of a rant and says to Clara, you know, why can't I just lose just this once? So basically, why can't I just tell this thing the secret? Why can't I just lose? And she says, no. And finally she appears for just a few seconds and she says, get up off your ass and win. And we see the doctor in an internal monologue again, sort of saying, he, the problem with Time Lords is they take a long, long time to die. That's why we always like to die amongst our own kind. They know not to bury us too early. And slowly but surely we see what's, what he's kind of getting at here. And as he walks up to the wall of Byzantium with the veil behind him, the creature's right there behind him, there's no way out. Um, he draws back his fist and he starts punching the wall. And as he punches the wall, he starts telling this story about a shepherd's boy. And the shepherd's boy is asking, how long in eternity? And he says, you know... Well, there's this wall of diamond, too big to go around. And once every hundred years, a little bird comes and brushes the tip of its beak against that wall of diamond. And as we see him say this, the veil reaches up behind him and it touches him. And he dies, or so you'd think, but he's got just enough power to regenerate. And he's slowly crawling, crawling, crawling for three days at a time back into the room where he first arrived. Because as he's discovered, all the rooms reset. Every time he leaves a room, he tells a secret, time pauses, and he escapes. The rooms reset. So he knows when he goes back to that room that there's a copy of himself in the transporter. It's right there. All he has to do is pull the lever and make it appear. But in order to pull the lever, he needs energy. And all you need for energy is something to burn. So he 
puts the receivers up to his head and he pulls the button and basically kills himself and then rematerializes in the in the chamber <laughs> so he's basically he's died you know weak limped for three days got back there killed himself to make himself reappear and then there's this amazing scene as all this finally is revealed to us at the end where he's continually repeating the line you know the shepherd's boy says punching the wall of Byzantium each time he does, getting killed, crawling back, killing himself again, reappearing in the chamber, going through the whole episode again, they show highlights of it, punching the wall, punching the wall, dying, going back, and each time they show him up on the roof saying, if I didn't know any better, I'd say I've jumped 10,000 years into the future, 20,000 years into the future, nearly 100,000 years into the future. <laughs> On and on and on and on and on it goes, with him still telling the story. And it's this bird. <laughs> He's chipping away at this mountain. And by the time that that bird, every hundred years, comes past and brushes its uh, beak on it, by the time that he has melted down the entire mountain of diamond, that will be one second gone in eternity. And so as he says this, he finally says, you know, you say you might say that's a long time, but then he finally pulls back his fist and punches the Byzantium wall for the last time. And he says, personally, I think that's a pretty amazing bird. So we find out later, but he spends four and a half billion years in this interrogation chamber, um, punching a wall of Byzantium time after time, dying. Uh, having to, you know, haul his ass back upstairs, bleeding, you know, near death, burning himself so he can reappear in the chamber to do it all over again. Um, but yeah, finally he gets through and he punches through and the veil, which is right behind him again, you know, ready to kill him again, just falls to pieces and he sees it's been a trap the whole time. And so he walks off, he's gotten out of it, he's in the desert and we see the city of Gallifrey off in the distance. And this little kid runs up, again, like the first time, pretty much, other than Clara's few seconds, anyone other than Peter Capaldi has been on screen. And he says, tell them I'm coming. I took the long way around. And that's how the episode ends. Again, I can't do it justice. It's impossible to, <laughs> to uh, explain it. I've given it my best shot. But essentially, that four, those four minutes at the end where we see him, where Clara says to him, get up off your ass and win, and we seem to start to punch the Byzantium. Um, and we realise that, yeah, he spends four and a half billion years in there. <laughs> just killing himself over and over and over. Because, no, he's not going to quit. He's not going to give up. He's not going to lose. Hmm. It's, just, it's just an amazing piece of television. And his performance in it is just... I, th I read one review which said, not only is this just amazing, but I don't think there's ever in the history of television actually been another episode like it. You know, a show which is usually, you know, the Doctor, the Companion, all the, the casting, you know, the supporting characters, to just have a single character on screen for, for like, 99% of the runtime, yeah. amazing. Amazing. Sounds like it needs to be shown to a few West Coast Eagles footballers. <laughs> oh, bird! Oh, he went there. So, yes, I apologise. It's, it's nowhere near as good as I'm doing it justice. But, yeah, if you can... Track it down. <laughs> you won't believe what happens at the end. Oh, wait, wait. You, yeah, you probably will now. <laughs> but honorable honorable just, mentions. Do you have any honorable yeah, mentions? Yeah, so the ones I left out, so as I say, the opposite, vulnerable to attack. 
Um, the Verger. Buffy was very, very close to making it a few times. Um, the season finales of Buffy back in the day, like Buffy seasons two through five is about as good as television gets. The season finales of two, three, and four were amazing. Mm. Buffy kills Angel in one of them. Buffy and Faith fight uh, in the other. Like, Joss Whedon, to give him his dues, if there's one thing he did well, it was just doing these balls and all season finales. So they were all amazing bits of television. Um, the Breaking Bad pilot I had in there. Mm. Um, I had the last episode of uh, season four and season two of Doctor Who with David Tennant, um, who I would have thought, yeah, would be my favourite Doctor forever until that episode. Uh, and Lost City, which is the final episode of season seven of Stargate, and that's another really good season finale. Uh, and also The Cancer Man Can, which is the Michael J. Fox episode of um, Boston Legal, but in it, um, Jerry Hans Espenson who has Asperger's, uh, gets, gets let go. Um, and just that, it's pretty much just the, the scenes with him where he, like, snaps and holds a knife to, uh, to what's her name, the female character of Boston Legal. Like, yeah, those scenes spoke to me really personally. Um, but, yeah, it was a tough list. In a way, I'd say it was a tough list to narrow down, but it was probably more... If I had to have picked six episodes, I reckon I would have struggled. <laughs> The top five were they just, they were a cut above, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, was, I always had them sort of set. Uh, so there, there we go. Worse with me, I struggled <laughs> to find five. Yeah, that's why he didn't even try. I had the harder, I had the harder hard task. It's uh, like garbage shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah God knows watching. it's difficult to find garbage shows. That are worth days. watching. <laughs> garbage shows that are worth watching is, is, a, is a challenge. No, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> no. So, there you go. I think that's... Well, you talk about Peter Capaldi's 99% screen time. That's probably the longest <laughs> we've ever had in a podcast with just my horrible guttural voice going uninterrupted. Oh, I don't think so. Maybe your top 10 TV shows would have been... Yeah, but for, for a spell like that, though, uninterrupted? Yeah. Usually yeah. you're always chiming in. You gave your snide little comment there. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. Done and dusted. Yeah, 106... It's a great feeling of accomplishment after Do you that. feel like you've feel... kicked a goal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My yeah. score right now is 106. That pun was funny the first time. Oh, no. <laughs> As we said, it was, it was a slippery slope from the start. But how about that opening, right? Go back yeah. now and just... A bit like that Doctor Who episode. Yeah. Just go back to the start. I'm just going to say... <laughs> that's where it was at. I'm figuring if we are, if you are the one right now, a lot of lights are being turned <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that's it. I'm going to go and listen to the theme song. Ooh. I'm going to go and listen to the theme song from If You Like The Wine. Because <coughs> that's a good feel it? on which to end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can. Later, skaters. Later, Holson. <laughs>